Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, it's um, almost the end of January. It's amazing how how time flies. It's certainly been a uh, a busy busy month so yeah, far. Busy couple of weeks. That's right. Yeah, and um, in the markets are, are doing well. They've started up in January, and obviously we don't know where they're going to go from here. But um, it's been a it's been a good um, couple of weeks in the market. Still a lot of questions about inflation. Um, and uh, for our clients out there listening, if you haven't listened to the webinar that we that we put out a couple of weeks ago. Please do that. It was a fantastic discussion of markets, and uh, we got a lot of great feedback on that. So if you haven't listened to it or watched it, um, that's your homework, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good right. thing. And yeah, we also great. have we're celebrating this week a little bit with Matthew's birthday, right? Yeah, birthday. It's actually on Friday. It's today. If you're listening to it on Friday, yeah, twenty uh, seventh of January. Yeah, that's a good birthday. I've got a good a good friend. Uh, Tom has a birthday on the same day as yours oh, as well. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. I'm sure a lot of other people do as well. Yeah. But uh, happy birthday. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. We'll have a little celebration tomorrow <laughs> at our house for you. That's so, right. um, That's right. Glad to, glad to have you listening today. Um, and we have a good show lined up today. Really uh, interesting topics. I'll let you start it off with uh, with the first one. Um, kind of a, a detailed topic. We're going to we're gonna um, keep it lively, but it's really important uh, to understand this concept. Yeah, and we've, we've mentioned this in client meetings, but it's understanding something called the sequence of returns risk. And it's basically just looking and saying, if you have two different investors that invest at the same time, and there's different returns on the front end or back end, uh, it can mean a very different situation for income in retirement. So it's really important to understand and we'll dive into that into that in that article. Yeah, and then we're going to uh, switch gears and talk about um, money habits to to break and to stop doing in 2023. And some of these you will have heard us talk about before, but it's a good little reminder. You know, it's got some things on taxes and investments and and um, uh, cyber crime and so forth. But there's some some things that you may want to consider doing. And you know, I guess you know these these habits. And if you can break one of them, it'll be a good um, a good step in the right direction. So. We'll cover that the second half of the show. And um, by the way, I'm John Travis. I have a uh, MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey certified coach, and I have um, over 30 years of experience in planning for both corporations and individuals. And I'm Matthew Travis. I'm also a financial planner. I've been in here uh, at the firm for almost five years now. Yeah, it's gone by fast, hasn't it? Yeah, it's counting out the years. <laughs> Not 31 yet, but uh, there's a reason why I'm older than you. So right. uh, we're excited to have you listening to us every day, uh, every uh, Friday um, to the uh, to the podcast. We're up uh, typically Friday mornings is when you can check us out. So you can uh, go to our website and uh, get that at moneymd.net, or you can get it on iTunes uh, or other places that you listen to it uh, anytime you want. So um, also go to our website. We've got some good resources, moneymd.net. You can link to us, ask your questions, and also link to uh, previous shows. So, Matthew, I hear that you're going to try to stump me with a question on the financial fact. <laughs> That's and, right. Um, we'll see how I do here. So you don't have the answers. I do. And so this is uh, a kind of a question, but is, there's a fact embedded in it. So this is a question. What were the returns of some of the recent, quote-unquote, bad economic years for the S&P 500? I'm just going to actually test you and see if you can remember yeah. during these years. 1980, 
What happened in 1980? Well, there was uh, there was a recession, but um, <clears throat> I, I'm gonna get. I, that's the one of the three years I don't know because <laughs> okay. the other two years I was working sure, in the, in the sure, business, sure. And, and I definitely know those are yep. close to. I don't know. I, I'm gonna say uh, 15. percent All right. So 1980, there was a recession. You're right. Unemployment is high. Inflation was high. Uh, housing starts were low, and so you know if you're investing in the markets, you're like, oh, this is not a good time to invest. And you said 15% up. It was actually 32% okay. up right. that year. Yeah. 32%. Another year, 2009. Well, I know that one. All right. What that happened was, in 2009? Yeah, it was, um, well, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't remember 2009 because it was a positive 30% year. Ah, close. Right? 26. Okay. 26. All right. Yeah. Well, yep. <laughs> I was in the ballpark. So yeah, 2009 was coming off of the great recession. Right. And actually, um, and I've told you this, this, this story, but January and February, of 2009, those first two months were actually down 20% to start the year, and it ended up 26%. So down 20% in the year before was down 40%. Roughly. So I mean, so you're coming off 14 months of down just a tremendous amount. Right. No one's thinking 2009 is going to be positive, and it's up 26%. Yeah, it's crazy. And then this last one, the pandemic. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's never it hasn't been a pandemic in our lifetime. Um, and so 2020, what happened in 2020? Yeah, obviously the pandemic and, um, you know, that recession was super quick, you know, it was down, um, and, uh, and recovered, um, the markets recovered within about a month, um, you know, maybe, maybe two months, but it was, I don't remember the exact number. I'm going to say 20%. Yeah. 18%. So you're, I mean, you're right there on all of them, but I mean, really the takeaway for that is when things are not looking good, we can remember that the markets are forward looking and which means that they take into effect things that are coming down the road. So once the pandemic's already there, yes, it goes down, but it's looking and saying, okay, there's vaccines or there's yeah. solutions or you know other advancements with Amazon uh, or other companies. So that is something you know that they are forward looking. Yeah, I've had a, the comment from a lot of uh, quite a few clients saying, hey, you know, I want to I want to do something different with my portfolio. We're going into a recession uh, in 2023, and my response is, is well, the markets have have generally priced that in in 2022. That's why they were down mm. so much. So as we go through 2023, they're looking into the end of 2023 and also into 2024. So, um, you know, going to a more conservative portfolio, now we don't know what the markets are going to do. Uh, certainly full disclosure on that piece of it. But, um, you know, when there's an event out there, like we've been going through with high inflation and interest rates, that becomes priced into the market. So that, that recession that we may go into, it's not definite, right. uh, has been priced in in 2022. So be very careful with making you know emotional decisions on this. Um, markets, um, they typically go up more than they go down. It's good. And it's a good segue into our first article, which we'll look at now. Um, the sequence of returns risk. And just looking at this, this is a good article from Kiplinger. Um, and and we'll, we'll dive into this. But adjusting your portfolio to minimize the sequence of returns risk uh, can help your money last well into retirement and beyond. Uh, you know, new retirees can minimize this risk by adjusting both their portfolio and their investing mindset. Investors who don't manage this risk might wish they had paid attention to this more. Um, you know, later down the road, if if they if they hadn't paid attention to you know Aesop's fable, the you know the the goose and the eggs. Yes. Um, you know, if you don't remember that one, just to paraphrase, instead of thinking about how this farmer could protect his goose and the comfortable lifestyle it provided him, the farmer uh, decided he wanted to get more eggs faster and he ended up killing the goose and you know, and a heck of a retirement plan. Yeah, that's not a good, that's not a good, not ending. a good story. So the moral of the story is, you know, those who have plenty, they want more. And so they have an opportunity to lose 
uh, a significant amount um, if they invest aggressively. Um, you know, so you've got to make sure you're in the right allocation. And, um, you know, but it's particularly uh, rev- uh, relevant um, for new and soon to be retirees who are more vulnerable to this sequence of returns risk. And that sequence of returns risk is really the order of return. Mm-hmm. So uh, just as a quick example, um, 8% return um, does not always equal yep. the same ending, you know, based on the sequence of those returns. Right. And so that's, you know, once you retire and you start taking these uh, regular withdrawals from your investment portfolio, uh, annual market returns become key to maintaining that reliable income. So, you know, if your stocks experience a significant loss in value because of a correction or maybe a crash, and you find yourself having to sell more shares to generate income, um, it could potentially, you know, affect your long-term retirement savings. And so, you know, when we do the planning, we incorporate some of that into it. Right. That's right. And, and you know, if that loss comes early in your retirement or just before you, you retire, uh, you could be eating into some of that principle that we're planning on, you know, lasting um, into retirement long-term. So, you know, here's a hypothetical example of how the sequence of returns risk can affect your retirement outcome. Let's say we have two investors, both both of whom start retirement with $1 million and plan to withdraw 50000 a year. Over the next 30 years, let's say they experience the same, like you said, average rate of return of 6.3%. Their annual returns occur in the opposite order though. Um, despite, so investor A experiences three down years at the start and it nearly cuts his savings in half. Despite the several good years later, he never recovers and eventually runs out of money. Investor B gets off to a much better start, and though he has some tough times going forward, after three decades, his money he he doubles his money to, to more than two million dollars, even with taking those distributions out. Yeah, that's a, that is amazing. So two different situations: yep. one with the the negatives at the beginning, and one with the negatives at the ending. So the sequence makes a big deal. It does. It's it's a, that's the takeaway from that 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 example: is the sequence is yeah. is risky. And if they were not taking distributions in this example, investor A and investor B would have the same balance at the end of 30 years, regardless of their sequence of returns. But because they were pulling out that 50000 annually, their real rates of return were much different than their average rates of return. And of course, you can't control the markets, uh, so you can't control the amount or the order of your returns, but you can adjust your portfolio uh, to help minimize the sequence of return risk. That's right. So, you know, having a plan to minimize that risk um, is good in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and even 50s. Uh, may look different than what you have in retirement. You know, thinking about adding more bonds, more conservative elements that provides another, you know, base where you can draw income from when the equities are down is it can be important. Um, you know, you no longer have as much time and you're no longer contributing. So, you know, making sure you're aware of where you're pulling money when the markets are down is very important. Yeah, and that means you know probably lowering your exposure to volatility. I mean, most folks going into retirement, uh, they have a more conservative mix between stocks and bonds. They put more conservative funds in there, and um, you may find it, it makes sense to create a flexible withdrawal plan as well, so you don't have to sell stocks at a low uh, to maintain your lifestyle. And I'll give you an example: when we went through the pandemic, um, you know, people weren't able to spend their money, so. You know, quite a few clients, several clients reduce what they were pulling out of the portfolio during that time frame. So you can certainly make some adjustments as you go through it. Um, you can still keep, obviously, growth in your portfolio sure. to generate income uh, for the future. But, but you know, you got to make sure you get that allocation right on the front end because um, you don't want to let greed, fear, or even complacency mm. um, kill the goose. 
Yeah, that's right. All right. So you mentioned going more conservative, but just to kind of break script a little bit, what what are your thoughts when someone's like, hey, the markets are down? All right. You talked about sequence of returns risk. We need to go all to cash. We need to go all to conservative. What What is the the thought behind having some equities in there and not going all to cash? Because you just mentioned yeah. you need to have some of that in there. Yeah. So if you're pulling money out, um, you need to have a process in place. And as as many of you know out there, our process is when the markets are down, we typically go pull money from the bond side. The bonds typically hold up very well. They're conservative in nature. You know, if you have 30% or 40% or even 50% in bonds, that's a very large pool of money that you can take distributions for years out of that bucket. And it allows the, the, um, the, the stocks, the growth side to recover. And when that fully recovers, you can start taking distributions off of that. And if it really recovers quickly, you can then fill that bond bucket back up. So there's a, you know, you got to have a process in place and, and a little bit of understanding of the history associated with it. Yeah, that's right. And that's something that we do with, um, you know, with the retirement plans, we do something called uh, Monte Carlo, which is just running through hundreds of different scenarios. And it's looking at specifically the sequence of returns risk. So we look at the past returns and we say, okay, scenario one, we have this return in this year, this return year two, this return year three you know, in dozens of years, we're going out. And then scenario two, all right, let's scramble those returns and do it again. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, okay, we don't know what the future returns are going to be, but if they've been similar to what they've been historically, we can minimize the sequence of returns risk by essentially having a high enough probability of success across the board of these scenarios. So again, to your point, having a plan in place to say, yes, this distribution amount is a good amount for our portfolio. And then we have a process in place to handle when the markets are down. We have that very conservative bucket to pull money from. That's 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 very important. Yeah. Um, and then and then lastly, just to ask this, so what what is truly the biggest risk with investing in the stock market? When when you talk with clients, when you know, when when they're nervous or worried, what what is the biggest risk that you're seeing? Uh, from, from their standpoint. Yeah, I think fear and worry um, probably is the biggest risk. I mean, it's very emotional. You you see, um, you know, your, your portfolio down, which you've worked hard for. Um, but you also have to put it in perspective a little bit. You know, 2022 was a very difficult market. But when you start looking at the four-year period from 2019 right. through 2022, it becomes a little bit more of a normal four-year four period. Right. Right. And so mm -hmm. you have to build that into the plan need to have a distribution process. And, you know, we have a lot of folks that are watching the market daily. I mean, here's the statistic, which is really interesting. On a daily basis, the stock market is down about 47% of the time. That means it's up 53% wow. of the time. Of the day, on a daily level. On a daily basis. So okay. when you go out to a monthly basis, it's down 37% of the time. About a third of the time it's down. When you look at it yearly, it's down about a fourth of the time, 25%. So, you know, the markets do historically have gone up more than they and they've gone down. And so, you know, just you got to kind of pre-program that in. So when you have down periods, it's like, okay, it's part of the process. Um, there needs to be a distribution process to help right. protect from the sequence of returns risk. And also, if you have some flexibility when you go through a pandemic of reducing your distribution from 3000 down to 2500 that's a conservative step. You can um, do that, cause right. Because no one can predict the, when the, you know, the markets are going to recover and, and by how much. So um, there's some things that you can do as you're going through some of these down years to um, to protect the portfolio. Mm, that's great. Well, great article. Again, that was Kiplinger um, that we got that from. Yeah, we're going to uh, switch over here to the uh, question of the week, and I'll, I'll take that one. Um, uh, the question is, is how are we adjusting 
the investments um, due to the higher interest rates um, mm. and that the Fed's probably still going to raise again. Where there's some questions on that, and also the inflation um, associated with the portfolios. And, and historically, um, the stock market has done relatively well with inflation. There's been some times that it has not. But, um, you know, the, the inflation piece of it um, is a risk to purchasing power and the interest rates is a risk really to the economy. So that's why in 2022, the markets were, were looking into 2023 and, and went into a, um, a, a downturn in 2022 from a market standpoint. So the, the investment adjust, adjustments are rebalancing. I mean, you know, when the stock market is down, being able to sell something like bonds that has done relatively well and buy some stocks, that's a good adjustment to take. You have to be a long-term investor to do that, but that's a good, um, reasonable step to take for the future. And also, you know, looking at bonds, um, you want to make sure you're short-term in nature and high quality. That's the other kind of adjustment that we, we've done in the past is making sure that our bond portfolio is structured kind of for the environment mm-hmm. and where we are from an economic standpoint. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Good question. All righty. So we're going to switch gears here and start with the um, the next topic, and these are money habits to break in um, 2023. And I, I'm not embarrassed to say where I got this article from. Where'd you get it from? AARP. How'd you get that? Are I don't you, know. It just showed up in the mail one day. Are you over? I, it could be. Okay. Yeah. You're over 40. Is it AARP's 40? It's 50. Thank you. Okay. Right. Yeah, hey, yeah. I didn't say that. Yeah, I know. You made me <laughs> say it. So well, you're 26, so I have to be over 40. This is true. Right? I hope. So, something yeah, like that. Yeah. So um, anyway, this is a great, uh, great conversation about, you know, some good things to, to take a look at and see if this is something that you need to maybe try to, to change differently um, going into um, into this year, really. And so the economy and the stock market, you know, there's a lot of talk about that um, and uh, it's emotional. And so here are six routines of things that you ought to look at and see if it's something that you maybe need, need to make a change mm-hmm. on. And the first one kind of fits into the last uh, conversation is, the, the bad habit is constantly checking your portfolio value. I mean, you know, during rocky times in the market, it's natural to want to know how your investments are holding up. Um, but the more often you check, the wider the door to counterproductive emotions. And um, exuberance, on the other side, can fuel overconfidence and also unwise risk-taking, um, which we saw a lot of in 2021 with the Amazons and the Teslas, which came crashing back in 2022. So, um, you you got to be careful um, that you're not taking too much risk um, associated with it. So the way to break this is keep in mind that the short-term ups and downs, they're a package deal when you invest in stocks. But over time, the stock market has recovered from the declines and it's resumed climbing. So in the past 42 years through 2021, the S&P 500 had uh, intra-year declines in every year and they averaged about 14% down with uh, wow. dips of 10% or more in 23 years. Um, and the index ended in positive territory in 35 um, of those 42 years. And the average return was around 14%. So, you know, you get to, to do the stock market right, you can't look at it daily. It just, it'll drive you crazy. It really will. And sometimes there's no rhyme or reason for what the market is doing. Instead, have a plan in place and a process that you can uh, plug into. Yeah, even us, just to kind of be vulnerable, um, we sometimes ask one another, all right, why is it down today? And sometimes it's like, we don't know. It's just, <laughs> it, you know, there's just ne- not necessarily a reason why it's up or down. There's, there's macro trends we can look at, but sure. on a daily basis, you're right. Um, all right, the second habit, downplaying the risk of cybercrime. You may think cyber theft will never happen to you, but the older you are, the more likely you are to be a target. Cyber criminals stole nearly $3 billion, with a B, dollars from people 50 and older 
in 2021, more than all younger age groups combined, according to the FBI. The most common tactic is to entice people into providing personal data, um, clicking on innocent links in an email or other other just easy access points. Uh, there's a CEO of a company, and he says scammers have been getting increasingly sophisticated. They've commonly posed as employees of familiar companies and dropped personal details that makes you believe that they know you. They know your situation. Um, so how do you break this? Anytime you get a request for an account number or personal information, or anytime you're invited to click on a link, you should be skeptical. Use different complex passwords for each of the sensitive accounts that you have and change them quarterly, which I know is a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, it is something, at least for your bank accounts and, you know, other sensitive information that you want to that you want to keep, um, you know, very secure. That That is a recommendation they have. That way, if a password for one account is revealed, it can't be used to access other accounts. Yeah, another uh, bad habit is paying only the minimum on your credit card. I mean, that's a it's a way to eat up cash. Um, you know, if you have a large balance on your credit card, and one of the reasons why is, you know, the average annualized interest rate on credit card debt is is almost nineteen percent um, per bank rate. And uh, let's say an issuer makes uh, a carrying a balance easy by setting up a minimum payment of just one percent of the balance, or twenty five dollars, whichever is larger. So if you rack up a thousand dollars in charges in a month, and then you only pay the minimum, you'll need more than nine years. And you'll pay close to two thousand uh, dollars for that thousand dollar charge. So, you know, we've seen credit card debt surge thirteen percent in the second quarter of twenty twenty two compared to a year earlier, and uh, the largest annual hike um, in in almost two decades. So, people are using credit cards more, probably even more so now because inflation is so high. So, the the way to break it is you've got to you've got to get serious about it. You've got to get um, some education, some information. I would encourage you to to look at the Dave Ramsey class, uh, Financial Peace University. It's a great way to kind of dive into the details. Um, there are some some folks out there that are offering um, zero interest for eighteen to twenty one months. Um, but I would just caution folks that consolidate debt. It's not really getting at the issue, right? Right. I mean, what what we see and what Dave Ramsey sees is when you consolidate the debt, the the issue is the spending on the front end of it. So. Um, just make it, you know, there are people out there, we, we'll help you. There's other folks that do budget counseling as well. Um, so, you know, try to get off of just paying the minimum because um, 19% is hard to recover from. Yeah, that is, man, if you made 19%, yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's true. That's, that is hard um, to get over. Uh, another one is procrastinating on your taxes. It is tax time. I know everyone that listens to this podcast loves filing their taxes. Oh, no, absolutely. probably... The highlight of your year, um, but some people do procrastinate, and so an encouragement would be to not. Um, there are you know different ways to file your taxes with a CPA. You can do it online yourself. You can do it with a paper. Um, obviously, the faster uh, way to process it and to get the refund uh, or to to square up with the IRS is to do it electronically. Um, you can do that typically very quickly, and there's not as many errors that come with it. Um, you know, that's the habit is to, is to delay. How can you break that? It's by starting earlier, simply, you know, gathering your tax documents when they come in, looking for them, if they don't come in automatically looking online, uh, and start collecting it now, even February 1st, um, mid February, you know, most of the tax documents should be here, maybe into February for some, but starting to collect those and starting to put those in online can be very helpful. If you do need help, you know, we do have CPA recommendations. We can, 
um, point you in those directions. But yeah, not delaying to file your taxes too late. Um, yeah. Too late is is an encouragement. Yeah, another habit that you want to be careful with is um, putting expenses on autopilot. And um, you know, when's the last time that you shopped for cheaper auto or home insurance, or maybe canceled or subscription or membership that you're not using? Um, or simply, you know, looking at your monthly expenses to identify what you can eliminate. I mean, you could be spe- spending hundreds or even thousands of unnecessary dollars every single year. And so what you want to do is is maybe call your insurer, your person. You know, there's a lot of time people have been working with insurance companies or their agent for a long time, and that's fine. Um, you know, call them up and talk with them. Get them to look at your house. I mean, home prices, um, this is kind of the opposite of lowering your expenses, but home prices have increase so much. You want to make sure you have the right coverage associated with it. So just a discussion in that area would probably be good. If you're a member of um, AAA, there could be some um, some uh, savings in that area. So, um, you know, even on a quarterly basis, sitting down with your bank and your credit card statements, maybe putting an, an E next to all your essential expenses and then a D next to them for discretionary ones. And those are the ones that you can try to, uh, you know, eliminate or lower I know, like with us, the, the cable um, has always been a place that we we can we can cut and reduce and so forth, and because there's better options out there. So sure. just take a look at that. Um, and the last uh, habit here is postponing postponing joy. And I, I like this one. After working and saving diligently for decades, many people find it hard to turn off the scrimp and save mentality. Um, and so. And we're big believers in this. We we were just had to talk about this before the podcast. Yeah, we sure were about encouraging people to spend uh, wisely, but you know, having some freedom to go out there and spend. And quite frankly, that's what a plan does. A plan right. really gives you the permission to go out and spend some. So, you know, review your bucket list and and choose some goals, and um, then you have to take those goals and the cost associated with it, and you have to plan. You have to come up with a. A, a way to get income over time and not run out of money. And that's, that's what we do from a planning standpoint. But the plan is a really is um, uh, it's a way to go and spend money and not stress that you're going to run out of money. So um, postponing joy, you know, um, that's a, we're not promised tomorrow, right? We don't know when, when our time will come and when we're called home and um, we, you also can't take this with you. So there's that's a balance right. in all this. That's right. It's good. Well, very good. Well, we're going to close out here with the uh, prescription of the week. All right. So it is my birthday. And so I thought this was a fitting prescription of the week. Um, Plan out your time and financial goals for the year and eliminate the goals at the bottom of your priority list that you don't have time or money for. Uh, There's so many things to do in our world, in our lives. I don't know anyone in my life who says, I am not busy. Mm. Most people say, I don't have enough time. I am too busy. I have too many things going on. And very practically, that is a reminder that we are finite and we can't do everything. So an encouragement would be, yeah, okay, let's say you have 15 items to do a week. Um, Maybe you should only be doing 12 and that would be a healthier lifestyle. So maybe you go through and you say, all right, what do I need to say no to? And also a discipline is saying no on the front end. So you don't have to say no to it later. You can just not overcommit. But that would be an encouragement or prescription is to go through your life and financially say, yep, what do I need to cut out? Time-wise, what do I need to cut out? Um, it can be very freeing to do that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, you've um, are you in the process of doing that? I, I am. I have a hard time saying no to things. So right now I'm currently working on how can I say no gracefully um, to more things on the front end versus, again, getting right. not trapped in them. But You want to practice on air? Ready? No. No. 
Thank you. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. I, you get that from from me as well. I've I've had I've been served on boards over the years, and I've had to really narrow that down to the the areas that really. Um, yeah, they were all good boards and, and good nonprofits, but you can say yes to too many things yeah. that you're not effective. And one one last thing on that is, you know, we've talked about this before with clients, but when you say yes to something, you are practically saying no to something else. When we that's have clients true. continue to work, you are saying no to something else. So that's something else to just keep in mind. Yeah, good point. Good point. Well, this has been this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. Give us a call here at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great rest of the week and happy birthday. Thank you. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates and registered investment advisors. Some